Hi, I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 60 of Shades of Brown. Uh, uh, this week, we're going to talk about keynotes, apparently. Uh, Google and Microsoft both did their developer conferences. Apparently, they do these at the same time every year. No, no, no. Uh, it was just this year. It was just this year. Oh, it's just so, this year? Yeah, so okay. normally, normally builds the first one, right? It usually goes build, Google I.O., and then... Um, WWDC. Uh, but because for whatever reason, um, Microsoft, I believe, announced theirs first, and then Google afterwards is like, lol, we'll just drop ours that week, because fuck you. And Microsoft didn't change it. Um, I guess just meta, meta note about tech keynotes before we actually get into the news. I tried watching Google. I tried. So we have, we have linked to the Verge supercuts in, um, our show notes, which you can find at twoshadesofbrown.com. And, you know, they're, those are good watches and they really get the most important stuff. But, you know, I'm like, okay, maybe they're missing something. You know what? Like, let me just sit down and try and watch this. I made it 25 minutes into Google IO until I'm like, what the fuck am I listening to? And, and like, you know, when I was younger, I used to think to myself, oh, this is just how, like, tech people think. But, like, the older I get, I'm like, no, this is just marketing BS. This is, like, extremely corporate. Yeah. Uh, so, so, like, if, if you're not, if, you, if you're someone who doesn't watch tech keynotes. Uh, Good for you. Don't. <laughs> don't, please. Like, it's it's really not worth, like, your time unless you're, like, a journalist and you have to watch them for some. But you can just watch the Verge Supercut and you're going to get everything that's that you probably want to know uh out of it the rest of it is just it's is what christian said it's just marketing fluff it's just uh it's just it's like what do you call it it's, it's like a circle jerk right it's essentially every year uh google uh uh to a certain extent microsoft but i feel like microsoft doesn't quite it's just it's just extremely boring but google just like does this whole they show off like all their latest uh, machine learning and AI tech, and like they show off. Oh, here we got some uh, new chips. Look at these uh, servers that you're never gonna have because we're the ones who build them. Uh, so yeah, that's it's like the- it's like a work of theater, but like shitty theater, right? <laughs> yeah, it's because like <laughs> it's, because so you you have so it makes so even though. I think it's silly and shouldn't happen. The fact that Google would want to hold an event to um, announce things makes sense. And more importantly, for actual developers who pay to go there, right? Like, if you have, say, I'm making an app and, like, I'm having a problem with the audio playback, I can go to a Google I.O. session on audio playback in Android. And because of how many people go into these sessions and such, right, I will have enough of a chance to actually talk to the person who works on that team or is implementing that feature. And that is useful to have as a developer, especially if you make your living for it. But that's not what the main two shows are about. You have the regular one, and you always have like their State of the Union, the more um, developer-focused fo- one afterwards. And those two are more theater, right? Where it's like, we're going to simplify these things to the point of them seeming like magic, and then we're just going to talk about how great it is and ignore all the downsides. And I get that. That makes sense from a corporate perspective. But what doesn't make sense to me is all the people who go there who blindly believe in it, right? All the people who are just straight up like clapping and who aren't employees for it. The people who genuinely believe in it but aren't like like who work there and it's it's strange because it's like this people do the same thing at fucking e3 when they clap about games right like you remember that um when that shenmue sequel was announced and the guys and and like there's a live feed of uh 
So how people usually do E3, they'll have the live feeds and then like uh, game sites will have like three of their staff members just like kind of in a studio watching it. And then like they'll be commentating about what's happening during the event because, you know, some people might find that useful because like the personalities that they're good writers. Like it, that makes sense. But when they announced Shenmue, the two or three, whatever the new one is, um, people are literally getting on their chairs and like getting excited. And mind you, these are potentially like games journalists people who are paid to talk about this and <laughs> they're treating this thing like it's like i don't fucking know like it's a it's a cultural event when i guess maybe it is but i don't want to accept that like i don't want to accept that google io's culture because it's that's not what Ooh, i think of that's... culture mm. microsoft build is not culture nor is google io and i guess even even more of a hot take right WDBC is not good at all either, and Apple will be better served by just having a website with new information Ooh. and like a small developer focused event. I think, yeah, I think that the the real attraction of these developer events is not the keynotes. Like the the thing is, the, the keynotes is because these are like huge corporations. They they have these uh, huge keynotes because it's it's uh, it's for the press, right? This it's not for the developers. Like the keynotes are not for the developers. The keynotes are for the press. Uh, this real stuff for the developers is in the in the in the sessions, right? In the code, uh, like the code camp stuff that they do at IO and build, uh, like the stuff where they actually have like you know people who work on these projects talk to uh, de- uh, developers. Uh, those are the actual like useful stuff out of this. The rest of it is just like uh, like a it's marketing and like uh, it's for the press. It makes them look good in the press, etc. Uh, so let's actually talk about. Let's start with Microsoft, uh, um, right? Well, well, firstly, well, before we get into that, right? Because I, I know I sent you the link to the Strategy piece and the Exponent episode, and um, so Ben Thompson, good writer. I, I like all of his work. How he put it um, was that Google's vision is that computers should do things for you, while Microsoft's vision is that computers should help you get things done. And I, I. I Listen to the Exponent episode, what, read that article, but I'm going to keep referring back to that, plus the fact that like this is just kind of all pure spectacle, and some of this, most of this won't ship, and most of it doesn't matter while we discuss this, because I think, like, I don't, we've we have spent so many years ta- looking and talking about tech conferences that at this point, I just like, I just want to like be extremely cynical about it, because I think that's what it deserves to, to like, used to be to happen. Like, Google used to fucking skydive, remember that? Oh. I remember Google that introduction. Yeah, I remember that. Like uh, that shit's that, just ridiculous. That was yeah. That was just yeah. It's absurd. Like a lot of the stuff is like, some of it will, will never ship. Some of it won't ship in the way it was advertised. You know, stuff like that. So you got to take everything at these keynotes with a with a grain of salt. Because yeah, like uh, for example, right last year Google had Google Photos, and you remember they had that feature. Say for example, I took a picture of you and you're behind a fence, but using AI and machine learning, we could remove that fence. That has never shipped. Yeah, it has never shipped. Uh, and it's, it's, there's probably a good reason it never shipped. That was probably like some sort of technical implementation problem, but that's never going to actually come out in the press. They're not going to talk about that. That's, it's, it's like the tech version of, um, what is it called in games? Where they, um, they'll, they'll put out press shots of a game, right? But they're yeah. not actually taken on the system. It's yeah, something shot, right? It's, it's uh, like, uh, it's like a, it's not in-game tr- footage. That's yeah, but like, but there's, there's like a word for it. Jim Sterling has used it before. It's something shot. Like I can't remember the name of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a, there's like a marketing 
Well, no, no, it's a term for like what people say it is, right? Like that's what like we refer to it as when you're saying it's like that's the thing that's going on where they put out fake footage or they yeah, have it running on I, a PC I, in the background yeah. instead of the console itself. Yeah, I've, I I actually can't remember what the term is, but yeah, but yeah like they do watchdogs, right? Like that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, it's basically text versions of that. But yeah. with that, we should get into Microsoft, right? Okay, Microsoft. <laughs> uh, not much happened at the keynotes anyway. Like the. Uh, Microsoft talked about uh, what? What did Microsoft talk about? Microsoft talked about, as I was saying before we started recording, um, if you're building on the Azure Cloud platform <laughs> and you would like to integrate your customer focus group with machine learning new technologies into Microsoft 365, right? The uh, services of tomorrow <laughs> in a competitive marketscape <laughs> where we are cloud, mobile, and all digital and cryptocurrency. I oh, think that's what Microsoft oh announced. Um, <laughs> I hope Microsoft didn't utter the words "cryptocurrency" on stage because I would just just delete delete it. But, delete but, like, but for real though, right? So Microsoft's uh, timeline build, right? Well, besides that, besides like we get the Windows beforehand, right? Just like what most of the build was, right? It was just yeah. server stuff, enterprise stuff. Things yeah. that we don't really care about exactly. which are kind of important, right? Because yeah, a lot I mean, of places use Windows Server. Yes. But I I think that it's actually a smart move, right, for Microsoft not to talk about Windows because it's like they did mention Windows stuff. Builds came out out of build, right? Yeah. But it's Windows isn't as important anymore, right? Nope. Remember, I think we're talking about the other day. Yeah, we, we did the other episode. We're yeah. talking about the reorganization of all that. Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, but the features they did announce for Windows are actually pretty nice. So we had uh, Timeline and your phone, right? Yeah, Timeline on your phone, I've iOS and Android devices. Uh, so on iOS, it's it's uh, in the screenshot, or rather from the presentation slide, uh, they have Microsoft Edge on iOS. That's gonna what it's gonna have timeline. So no, every Microsoft app is. Oh, okay. So so right. So you remember um. We were talking about time was originally announced, right? It'd be like handoff. Yeah. Because you can build a support for it. So right. Microsoft Edge, I think, is going to be the app that has like the timeline view. But oh, I think okay. you could Microsoft might build into other apps or Cortana. Like but, OneDrive. But or... all apps will feed into it, okay, right? Okay. So if you if you if you're like a OneDrive on your phone, you open a link or whatever or a document, and then you go to your Windows computer, it'll pop up saying, Oh, you opened this on your iPhone. Through oh, this app. Okay. I mean that's that's actually not that's pretty cool if you use all the Microsoft apps on both phones and uh, like if you have an iOS device and a Windows PC and you use the Microsoft apps, it would actually be pretty cool. Uh, it's also, useful on Android too, right? Yeah. Microsoft Android, Launcher. Yeah, yeah, Microsoft Launcher, but also too, Android will mirror notifications to your desktop. Android, you can respond to text messages from your desktop. Um, and you can also get your photos synced automatically by installing the uh, your phone app on Android. Um, but this also also brings another feature. I don't think we have a link for exactly, but it's called Cloud Clipboard. And if you, I believe on iOS, you can, you have to have the app open for it, or like there has to be some kind of workaround. Since iOS, you can't, you can't do clipboarding stuff in the background. It's on API Apple provides. Android, Android, you can though. So essentially it's what Apple has. It's a shared clipboard feature in a Mac OS and iOS, where if you copy something on your Mac, it'll pop up on your phone. Um, which I think is actually an interesting feature. And more importantly, on desktop windows, what that brings you is a clipboard manager. And let me, like, 
clipboard managers are good shit. I think have I, ta- I don't know if I talked about it on this show. I feel like I've talked about it on a podcast before, but clipboard managers when instead of when you hit the the paste key, right? It'll open a new window that's a history of all the things you have previously clipped. And that sort of like changes how you use a computer in a good way. I see this is the thing. Um I copy paste a lot. Like this is just part of thing I do. Like a lot of things I copy and paste and I've never used a clipboard manager. Like I've never found one that was like particularly interesting. Like I don't know if there's decent ones on Windows, like right now, but uh, I've never used one. Uh, I don't know. It's just it, like clipboard managers are those things that everybody talks about. It's like this huge productivity hack thing, but I don't know. I've never actually gotten around to using them and i don't feel like i'm really missing that much i i I don't know well it depends on how you work it depends if you're willing to change how you work for it right so for me right if i'm say for example you use bookmarking a lot yes because you use bookmarking a lot i feel like it's not important to you but for me i don't care to use a bookmarking service so when i'm looking for podcast links right i'll just copy and paste the link and there we go i know it's in a place that's safe oh i see right you on the other hand like i'm I'm going to assume you just bookmark that link and then you refer to it later uh, like if anybody sends me a link or if i need to keep a link uh for later or i read it later archive it uh i just put it into penboard like i have bookmarklets like javascript bookmarklets uh in my browser that has like what is for read later and what is for just putting it into penboard uh and that's what i do i just save links into penboard and then i can like tag it accordingly uh, etc uh so yeah, I don't know if it makes sense for me. I do copy paste a lot, but that's not for links. That's mostly for like server stuff, like what I'm working, uh, copying. Well, passwords. you can have like saved preset copies, right? I know that might like you might probably might have bookmarks like a text file for that. Yeah, but you can have as like um, well at least probably not the Windows one, but with like PasteBot and other apps on Mac OS. Yeah, you can specify a custom keyboard shortcut that would open a window of all of the um, yeah. of the like server commands you would need, right? That might yeah. be specialized, and you can just kind of hit enter. Uh, that and would keyboard be, down mm, to the ones you specifically are, want to use in that time. Yeah, yeah. I have to look into some workflow changes. Uh, that would be actually a pretty good idea. But I think that's there was also like a new Explorer feature where you have dark mode. Like, yeah, uh, it's it's <laughs> finally. I call this the one Windows 10 feature that my, that that static will actually use because uh, I, sets is coming by default now with the next Windows 10 uh, update. We've talked about sets a whole bunch. I feel like you're going to turn that off. Cloud clipboard off by default, which is interesting actually. That Microsoft is turning off an, an internet based feature by default. It's, it's opt in rather than opt out. Uh, it makes sense because uh, thing with clipboards is there's a lot of there's things like password managers use clipboards, so which is like. That's the thing, right? I, on Mac OS, uh, apps can specify whether or not it's sensitive data and, and clipboard managers can't copy it. I don't know how that works with Windows. It probably doesn't work that way. But also, yeah, it makes sense too, because I mean, like, Microsoft probably doesn't want the bad press of like someone accidentally like having a whole bunch of like port links saved to their clipboard and them not knowing it, right? Or like, like, that's, or like, like accidentally <laughs> copying, uh, like a, like a password encryption key. Or something like that, right? Yeah, like encryption key or password, uh, into the clipboard, uh, and that being synced over to a device that's not secure or whatever. Like that's, that's the thing, right? It's, it's, it's because of password managers and people copying sensitive, uh, information, uh, it's not good. It's, it's a, there's a reason like iOS restricts clipboard access. It's 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 a bit. Uh, people put a lot of stuff in there that probably shouldn't be shared with anybody. So that's that's the thing. There's also Microsoft Word features like uh, 
Windows ML, <laughs> like uh, machine learning grammar correction. Like, uh, so if you use uh, Microsoft Word to write, it's basically like smarter grammar check, which is, I mean, that's pretty cool. But the biggest thing I think from this build this year is the changes they announced to the store, uh, Windows Store about like revenue share, right? About the about the developer, like the percentage that goes to developers have in, has increased, and it will increase if you have uh, what what did they say? If you if you're linking, okay, let me let me just get this slide up. So new revenue share model. So eighty five percent when it's found in the Microsoft Store, right? Like when somebody finds it in the Microsoft Store from the store app, uh, and ninety five percent where you direct your customers to your app in the Microsoft Store. So if you have a link on your website that's that's a link to the Microsoft Store for your for your app, that's 95% of revenue share. Like you get you get you get 95%, right? Microsoft gets the rest of 5%. Uh that's that is I think the highest amount of revenue share from any app store for that's like I think nobody else is doing ninety five percent revenue share. No, yeah, no one's. I think Apple will go to eighty percent if you yeah. with subscriptions, right? Oh, subscriptions, if someone has yeah. a subscription for more than a year and they've been a consistent customer, when they resubscribe, then you get uh, more of a revenue share from that. But that's the only thing that only uh, store that does that, I believe. Yeah. So, like Microsoft is really like, yeah, put put your stuff in in the store. Uh, we're basically just giving it to you for free. Like base, like 95% is basically free. Like 5% is like, like what transaction fees. But, uh, but, but this also encourages bad behavior, I think on websites, right? So now, so a, a refer link from the website would be right. Just a link you click from the website that has like a question mark with rel something appended to the bottom, however they're handling it, right? Whatever format Microsoft wants to be sent to the windows store app, but that's going to encourage like popovers and persistent bars at the top of the screen when you're viewing it, right? Like, I, I feel like, in, in theory, it's good, but I feel like it's going to be abused by developers who just want that percent increase. I mean, yes. I mean, I mean, it's not like, uh, like, I feel like, yeah, developers are obviously going to want that, like, 10% more revenue, right? Like, it's, it's, it's I mean, Right now, how many developers are actually in the Microsoft Store making significant amounts of revenue? That's also an interesting question. But like, this is just incentive, right? I don't, I don't think Microsoft like actually like. Yeah, I know there's bad effects to it, right? Like they just want more developers. Like it's desperation. I think it's a little bit of desperation. Like it feels like a little bit like here, uh, here you'll have ninety five percent if you link to it. Like just just put it on a store already. Uh, it's just like nobody wants to use the Windows stores with this. They have to do something about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the revenue share model. Like, I, I don't know if it's actually going to change much. Like, I don't know if that's going to actually encourage developers to put stuff on you, like, put stuff on the Windows store, uh, like apps that actually make money and are not like free apps, right? Like actual, like, uh, paid apps. Uh, or like what else? Like what else is on the Windows? Like games, right? What if games? Like, games don't work for that. It's only consumer apps, not Ooh, okay. enterprise apps, not games, mm. um, not in-app purchases. Only paid consumer apps get this benefit. Interesting. Okay. Uh, all right. So 
that's a, that's the yeah, I mean that's not a lot of those apps, right? I don't think there's very many store apps that are like UWP or like Centennial apps that are like in the Microsoft store that are paid. So we'll see. I mean this is not the first time Microsoft has tried to make the store more and like more appealing, but at this point, I don't think anything could hurt it, right? Like, no, I, no. Like that's, anything, that's it's like, well, what do they have, right? So they could they could try a whole bunch of things, and maybe that, a, a combination of all those things makes the store more appealing, or, yeah. or not, right? Like, who, mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. But um, I think the other last important thing for Build was just some fluent design updates, right? Yeah. Which is, uh, Microsoft added drop shadows now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they call it Z-Depth and Shadow, which, you know, wow. okay. Wow. I okay. fuck I fuck with drop shadows, but at the same time, like I see <laughs> that. You know, like I want to make fun of this, but like I'm tired. I, for real, I'm, for I'm real. done. I'm done making fun of it. It's just that, like, it, yeah, it's, it's just it's ridiculous. Drop shadows, but that's it. That's all I have to say about it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm Google. Done. Yeah, let's let's yeah, do, just go to Google. Let's Microsoft, just go to Google. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Google, uh, Google's keto to their to their. Uh, benefit i guess was was more interesting uh they had i think google io is usually more interesting than build every year anyway but uh machine the usual ai machine learning stuff aside we had there was one thing i think we want to talk about uh that is like everybody's talking about it because it was it, it was an impressive uh from a technological perspective it was an impressive demo uh we're talking about Google Duplex. Yep, and I have a clip of it that I'm going to play. Hello, how can I help you? Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. So that was the uh, duplex demo that Sundar Pichai put out, or presented rather i can't talk right now but um basically right it's so everyone's talking about duplex it's like i i'm going to assume that most people listening know what it is but just to recap it is a subset of features in the google assistant that can book appointments for you right so say you need to um i don't know like get a haircut or make a reservation then it will call the store for you and all you see on your end right you'll just say um hey assistant book me a reservation at so-and-so restaurant for whatever time. And then it'll do the phone calling a lot for you on its own on Google servers. And what you see is, okay, reservation made, added to your calendar. And so there's, there's two parts of this. You have the technological aspect of it, which is like, okay, this probably is not going to work as well as it does. But the fact that it does work at all is impressive and should not be discounted. But but then at the same time, there is the societal cost of this where it's like, okay, if we now have extremely realistic sounding bots going around calling people, what, what does that actually mean? And how should that be handled? Yeah. uh, So the thing is, what what happens? One thing that was mentioned, this is, this is a recording. This is not a live demo. So obviously like they cherry picked like something. Uh, but additionally, what happens when it fails, right? That's the thing. Like, what happens when it fails? Like, what happens when, when it's talking to somebody and for some reason, maybe, maybe the line isn't clear. Like, maybe there's like a, like a 
Maybe the assistant can't really understand what the other person is saying because of, say, an accent or, or like, some problem with the line. Maybe, it's like, audio problems. Uh, it's not unheard of. So, uh, like, what happens then? What, what happens when it fails? Like, what, what does it fall back to? What does it do, uh, when it, when it realizes it can't actually interact with the other end? Just, does it just hang up? Is that what it does? <laughs> I mean, considering it's Google, uh, like, what would happen? Would it, would it like seamlessly like transfer, like the phone call to you? But that would be awkward because then, you, then the voice would suddenly change and then it'd be like, the other person on the other end is just going to be extremely confused, right? Uh, or they're like, probably going to hang up because they feel like you're wasting your time because you're calling a restaurant or you're calling a hair salon. They have other things to do, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Those places don't have someone who's dedicated to the phone. It's usually at a restaurant, probably be the hostess who picks up the phone to reservations or the host. Um, but it's, n- they have other things to do besides picking up the phone. And it's like also too, right? So some places this, this won't even be allowed because of call recording laws. Cause there are states, and I don't know how Canada is, but at least in the US, like it's up to the state. But so most states will have a, uh, I think it's seven actually. It might be seven to 10. I know Massachusetts, one of them is so is Florida where both parties have to consent to being recorded verbally before the call can be recorded. Right, right. And uh. you obviously, right, when you're when Google Assistant makes a call, it has to record your voice to analyze it, right? To get to to make a response to understand what you're saying. It's recording your voice, or else it wouldn't be able to hear you. And how that doesn't exactly work with those laws. So Google has said it will not be a feature that works in those states. And if Canada or if like Toronto or Ontario, right, has a law like that, then it also won't work over there. That's, that's a point I didn't think about actually. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a very good point. Like how it's technically a recording of the other person, right? Uh, that's, yeah. Mm. Oh boy. Uh, there's also the aspect where, like, where this is dehumanizing, like to the other person, like it's deceiving them, right? Uh, it's your you the 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 bot doesn't announce itself as a bot, right? Obviously, that's like the whole demo thing. Like it, it's it's it sounds like an actual person, right? Uh, a very realistic sounding person. So a person like who's busy and on the phone might like would probably will almost definitely not recognize that it's like an actual bot. Uh, but like it's 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 deceiving them. Like, that's the thing that I think people are talking about how it's 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 dehumanizing to the people on the other end uh who's who's picking up the phone uh and talking to the bot. As they called it on AP, on ATP, right? Yeah. Marco was like, You're turning service workers into like API endpoints. Oh yeah. And that's... like that's the, the the truest way of putting that. And they A don't get paid enough for that, and B have other things to be doing than beta testing Google's technology. And so even if it's in this limited domain, even if it is um, only in certain use cases, it's still a problem. And to be fair, since it has been announced, Google has responded by saying the call, the, the bot will announce it's a bot at the beginning of a call and that they're willing to have an open and honest debate or discourse or the fuck that means. <laughs> discourse. But <laughs> right. It's so they're at least aware of it. And, but it's, it now and I get for like accessibility sake for people who a might have problems speaking or B might just have like general anxiety towards making phone calls. Like, okay, like that, this is a useful thing, but how it's being handled doesn't, I don't think actually 
is worth the the cost of it or the benefit of it in this current state. Yeah, oh, let's be real. Uh, this feature is there is no ship date on it, right? There is no announcement like about when it's coming out. I don't know if it, is it even finished. Uh, the, the the only thing we heard was a recording. Uh, so is it even going to come out? I mean, it's too it's too high profile of a feature to just like sweep under the rug uh, later. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it came out very late, like probably like next year, uh, and it comes out in this like broken state that nobody ever uses because it's broken. Uh, so yeah, that's that's also that uh, we mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast recording. It was yeah, it's take take all of this in a great bit of salt because. We don't know if it's actually going to ever ship or if it's going to ship in the way that it's being marketed. So that's duplex. Uh, well, I think there's a little bit more to it before, before we move away, right? Yeah. Because so Google is the first one to create this feature, right? But what's stopping someone else from doing it? Right. And more importantly, what's stopping someone else from doing like the deep fake technology, right? Or like not deep fakes. That's for Poor fucking, fucking Jake. <laughs> Hi, Jake. But um, the one where you, there's a video a while back, right? Where someone like oh, yeah. an Obama speech yep, by like yeah. synthesizing his yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. now if we have voice and uh, like text to speech or whatever, that sounds as good as, and, and as natural as this, plus has the right pauses and utterances that regular people do. And then you mix that with the ability to synthesize someone else's voice, then like what's actually real? Exactly. Um, I remember what, like, this stuff is coming out this IO, but I remember reading a few months back a paper from, done by some Google researchers about their new voice, uh, digital voice technology. And they, they had this sample site up with, uh, like these samples of a recording with an actual person speaking and the same recording done by their AI. And it was extremely difficult for me to tell the difference. Like it was blind, it was a blind test, right? You do a blind test and you try to pick what, which one was human and which one was the AI. And I couldn't tell, honestly, like it was absurd, really. Like I, I showed it to other people. They were like, holy shit, this is like some next level. Like the uncanny valley is gone. Like it's, it's like we're past the uncanny valley. This is like the, where I don't know even which you know which valley we were in at this point, but it it was some really like really good. Their their voice stuff is I know the tech is there. Like the one the one reason I think Google Duplex isn't like too shocking to me is because I've 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 seen this paper and I'm I know that they have the technology, uh, and they have the research. Uh, they they have, they have they have a lot of research in this and they have the data they have the machine learning they have the, they have the computing power uh so yeah that's i mean that's google duplex i don't know what else there is to say about it hopefully uh it's, it's regulated at some point the stuff <laughs> like i don't know that's just a thought this is a thought you know when you have um robots that sound like people maybe we should step in and say to ourselves mm-hmm. hmm mm-hmm. yeah we can do this but like, why are we doing this? Yep. Like, you could build a cigarette that's more effective at like getting nicotine into your lungs. Mm. But like, is it really worth the end benefit of like you know 
getting a, a like are vapes worth it? That's basically what I'm trying to ask. <laughs> is is Google Duplex the vaping of um AI assistants? Holy shit. Is that gonna be like the new like is, is like you know like is this the new dark cells of whatever? Um, oh my god! Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on from Google. Duplex. <laughs> what else did Google do? So we have, uh, I think, nothing else other than Android that, that we have to talk about, right? Uh, well, we have firstly, um, just I don't want to make fun of Google, but I'm going to. <laughs> LOL. Android TV. They announced a Android TV dongle, which is a developer unit called ADT2, um, which, I don't know, it has like a chip, it has some RAM, it has gigabytes of storage, it can do 4K HDR, but like, who actually cares? No one's going to use Android TV, no one uses it now, there's a cool, <laughs> there's a cool um, <laughs> soundbar that has Android TV in the Google Assistant, which will overlay itself on your inputs, because you plug in our HDMI inputs into that bar, so it's basically the Xbox One from 2013, like, you know, like, these are all, like, it's, it's, uh, Google's doing things in TV, and um, you should ignore them, because they're going to be garbage, because <laughs> they're always garbage, uh, but with that, though, Android P, what was announced? Let's let's start. Uh, this this actually ties into Google. How what Google Duplex is and it's it's related. Uh, the the three keywords that they used: uh, intelligence, simplicity, and digital well being. Right, uh, and now on the surface, those appear like marketing buzzwords, but uh, it's sort of like the philosophy behind Android P. Uh, so the first one, uh, intelligent, is. Uh, what they mean by machine learning, right? They mean that your phone is more smart. It's a smartphone that is smarter. Uh, it's going to be able to do stuff like, for, like surface the, your most used apps intelligently by like using time of day and like machine learning to learn which apps you use at which times. Like say if you take, uh, if you take like a lift to work, at a certain time every day, it's going to like know that, right? It's going to understand that you open that app at that certain time every day. It's going to surface that in your launcher uh, at that time so you can like quickly get to it. So that's what they mean by simple, right? Uh, or sorry, intelligent. And simplicity is like, they're going to simplify notifications. Uh, they're going to have what, like, you're going to be able to reply to notifications and like in, in line, but multiple times. Uh, I'm trying to figure it out because they were kind of vague about uh, what's going on. But we're well, I mean, replying to notifications in line, right? Wouldn't that basically be if um, you have like a, a a text message app, right? And so you send me a message on Wire, I reply to you from the notification. You send me another message, then shouldn't that turn the notification to like a mini conversation thread? Exactly. Yeah, that's what it does. I think that's what they mean by. Uh, like the notification sort of becomes more like you can interact more with it. Like it's, it becomes more rich, I guess it's more of a, more basically it's a victory lap around iOS. Like at this point, at <laughs> yep. this point, Google's just jogging backwards while Apple's just kind of like crawling along, just like <laughs> trying to get there. Like they they're like walking slowly and like yeah. walking slowly is fine, but they're just walking in the wrong direction. <sighs> yeah. There's also like smart replies, right? And they're like, you know, using Google's uh, keyword machine learning AI stuff uh, to do like, you know, 
smart replies that are actually smart and that iOS is, is kind of janky uh, auto-reply system. Uh, so that's, I mean, cool. There's also the last part, which is digital well-being. And now this is the important thing. This is the one that ties back to Google Duplex. This is the whole thing about Google trying to save you time so you can do other things, right? Uh, so they, they're bringing this philosophy. They have, they have this new, like, section in your phone in Android P where it'll tell you, like, time spent per app, right? And you can, like... Um, place limits like you can place limits on facebook netflix uh video games and stuff and it'll show you like how many notifications you're getting how many uh how much time you have spent like these these graphs uh and it's like trying to trying to you know digital well-being is trying to make your life better uh and that's i think also ties into google duplex how google duplex is like this thing where it'll save you time so you can do other things uh yeah, that's that's digital well-being. I don't know. Like, um, okay, okay. So digital well-being. I think this is the silliest feature <laughs> that Google has ever done, and not because not because I think digital well-being is is a bad idea, not because I think unplugging is a bad idea, not because I think using less like social media apps that are only like showing you sponsored content is a bad thing. Like I agree, you know, like maybe uninstall Twitter every now and then maybe don't keep a Mastodon desktop app, or I mean mobile app on your phone, but. Right. Google's the one who made the problem. That's <laughs> this is not how they fix it. They I mean, they can change the software to not to not vibe for your attention, right? Like they can make YouTube just not be a like a trap of content that makes you feel like you need to keep going to the next video. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have to build YouTube like that. Nope. Like you you don't have to make like amp stories work like a Snapchat feed where you go left and right with your like proprietary <laughs> yeah, amp see, content, is, yeah. and you don't. And you can just build the APIs in such a way, or at least architect the system in such a way where apps like Facebook or Twitter that sit in the background and that consistently show, shoot off notifications don't get the most priority. There are There's an app that says, oh, you can turn this off if you want to, but that's a Band-Aid when Google has control over the core platform. It can make changes that actually affect every app in the system instead of saying, oh, you can pretend to turn this off, but we'll give you a key to go back in if you really need it. So essentially, they're they're create they're sol- they're putting a bandaid over the problem that essentially they created in some ways, but uh, I mean it's not a bad like the time limit feature is an interesting interesting feature. You can putting a time limit on an app. I I wondering how that works. Does it just like close the app after you reach time limit? Is that what happens? Yeah, I it think can- it like locks you out of it for a bit. Okay. All right. Uh, can you like override it like immediately or something? Because I, I feel like I think you just turn off this feature and then it overrides it, or you can turn it off on the app. So yeah, it, it brings more frustration or it brings more struggle to like sort of get back into it. But it's, I mean, it's not like I, who's going to use mm-hmm. it, right? Like, are you going to? Would you ever put a limit on how? Like, do, would you ever think? Would you ever have like the sort of prescience when you install an app to be like, oh, maybe I should put a time limit on it? You only do that after you've been burnt out and after you feel shitty because you spent your entire day browsing Mastodon, right? Like, you don't do that beforehand, and that's the problem. The problem is that, okay, if we have all this predictive tech and stuff, if we have everything, we can predict everything, then why aren't we predicting people's moods and trying Uh, to make them, and try and build it in a way where they can feel better and easily pop out of it instead of instead of putting. 
See, this is putting all the responsibility onto the user. Obviously, when, yeah. When yeah. you need a Facebook account or a Twitter account to function nowadays, get information about businesses to like talk to people, because people don't use text messaging, or your sort of certain social circle might only use one chat app that spills it to another service, and like it's not their fault that they're being shown this content that is just trying to game them. Like they just wanted to talk to their friends. They didn't ask for um tide pod challenge 2016 sponsored challenge fake ad that's being shown 30,000 times because someone like used the bot to farm it. Right. And, and saying that, Oh, you can fix this because you can now control when you use your phone when it's like, but the phone is like trying to like, mangle us to do what it what what like the advertisers want or like what the people making the content want by gaming it in a way that that's known psychologically to make people pay attention and and it's and this is my my larger problem with android p i honestly think the design changes are better i think the new version of material design is better i think the fact that google is allowing for more flexibility in how material design is implemented that's good but it still bothers me that it's wellness like whatever the um it was wellness. It was what was the other tenant, right? A simplicity, simplicity, and then intelligence, intelligence. right? Yeah. And that intelligence part, it's like with a, it works with by checking indicators plus machine learning, and it's like, what does machine learning mean? What, what, how, how, how am I supposed to know? Because there's a feature right where it's Google's use machine learning to improve your battery life by running it through some kind of algorithm, some kind of math to determine when they should downclock your CPU. And how do how does that work? Like how I, I don't know how any of that works. I I can't I can't figure out. I can figure out some ways, right? I can be like, "Oh, okay. Maybe if this app doesn't need that much CPU usage, but like how is that being determined? What what is being how is Google making this new scheduler that does this? And it's they will never tell us because it's no, a black box. Yeah. And at the same time, it's like, "Well, then how am I supposed to I can, I, for me at the very least, I feel like I can't trust my phone when it's doing these things. If it's doing these things in the background that I don't, that I didn't explicitly consent to, and that isn't ever able to be clearly defined because Google themselves don't know it, it's just by okay, we we set some parameters, we ran it through a whole bunch of fast computing, and by luck of the draw, maybe question mark, it's now doing the thing we want it to, and I don't, I don't think that's a responsible way to sort of deploy this technology. Yeah, like Google, like Google. Like this overarching sort of theme here for Android P is that machine learning is going to fix all the problems uh, on your phone. So, like the big problems people have: a battery life, b uh, lots of notifications, uh, c spending time in apps that don't really benefit them, uh, and and then, and then Google thinks that machine learning is going to be like the technological solution to. What are what are not always technological problems, right? Like, uh, for example, a bat- I mean, battery life is, is is a technological problem. Like, oh, let's let's be real. Like, it's it's a technological problem because we have big screens, uh, we have we have processors that that use up power. We have uh, radios. We have GPS. We have uh, what Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, 
cell signals. Yeah, and then we, you we, have you have manufacturers who refuse to make phones thicker because when they make them thinner, people buy the phones. Therefore, they feel like they have no incentive to make them thicker because people are buying the thin phones. But those are the only phones that are available. So what? What? Where's this thick phone that people can buy as an alternative? Right? Like that's always been the flaw with that argument. So the easiest solutions here are kind of like the dirty ones. We don't want to do. We don't want to make things thicker. We don't. Because as I was saying earlier, Google can make changes to Android to make it so that apps cannot disrespect your time as much, but that's purely political. That's Google taking an opinionated stance on how apps should be designed and should be used. And they don't want to do that because hashtag openness, I guess. I don't know. But for like when when like people are actually being deceived and when like we have to make these features just so people can feel like they they're taking control back over their phones and the apps like that's maybe we should just take the heart the the more dirty answer the thing is they aren't really taking back control they're just giving control to google right that's that's what's happening right right the the it's not they're not taking the like the they're not managing the OS. The OS is managing itself, right? It's not you just delegating that that management. Like more more of that management has been delegated to Google's uh, quote unquote algorithms, right? Like that's it's not it's you're not taking back control. You just uh, you're essentially what you're doing is like you're essentially telling Google to fight like Google's algorithms versus all these apps, right? Like all these apps that are trying to get your attention, right? That's what you're doing. You're basically like, you're putting one, one, like a set of Google's algorithms versus the rest of the algorithms. It's like an algorithm battle, uh, the battle of the algorithms. Uh, that's what that is. Like it's, yeah. So we, so if we go back to the beginning of the show, and we're talking about Ben Thompson's article and that episode of exponent, right? So, it's the difference between like Android and Windows is that Windows 10 now has a cloud clipboard feature and a clipboard manager, but that's something that you manually have to turn on and that you can control. If Android would ever get that, Google would make it a machine learning feature that would try to automatically predict what you want to paste and then oh, paste God. it for you automatically, right? Like, that's the thing. This compute, Android phones want to do things for you while Windows and Mac OS and, and arguably iOS devices want Empower to help you. you do them right Empower that's you. Yeah. that's why apple has gotten productivity apps on the ipad while android tablets have languished right because you the most productive you can be on android is using like gmail and basic text editing right? and maybe google slides well no, no, i'm talking about like <laughs> like for most like the productivity that like most people would do right most people don't use a terminal right but it's like right. even on that but with ios you can go from like basic music production to like like basic video production in an easy way of apps like clips and that. But Google would never make an apps like clips because it doesn't it doesn't make sense for them, right? It doesn't make sense because if in their world you just put the videos into Google Photos and exactly. Google Photos makes the video for you. Exactly. While Apple's like, well, we'll help you make a video because making a video is fun because people like making things. And I I I guess at this point, like like as I said earlier, Android P, it's nice. Treble is actually starting to show the fruits of its benefit. Piece of beta is available on seven devices, only two of which are Google's, the Pixel 2 and the Pixel 2 XL. And that's good. Those are good signs. But at the same time, it's just like this is a bunch of shit, and I don't think there's any actual point for it. Honestly, uh, I don't even know what to say. Like Android P, like, to be fair to Android, I haven't used Android in 
like since the Nexus Five. Uh, so, but a lot of what I see on Android hasn't like the the things that I want to see changed haven't. Like, there's only now starting to slowly, like, Project Trouble is, like, actually promising on the front of the updates. Maybe next year we'll see, you know, like, this, like, sort of, like, these phones that are, like, supported longer because, you know, like, they're actually using Project Trouble properly and manufacturers are not being assholes. Uh, so, like, we'll actually see the benefits of it, hopefully. Like, I'm hopeful for the entire Android ecosystem because that's a billion people. Like, I don't even, like, Android's user base is huge. Like, that's the thing, right? When you're talking about Android, we're not talking about uh, a million, like, a few million devices. We're talking billions. Uh, we're talking a lot of devices and a lot of people. Uh, and, like, Android needs to be better for, like, for the sake of the people who use it. Like, that's the thing, right? It's like, it has to be better. It needs to be better. It should be better. Google has a responsibility. Uh with the updates. I keep like saying this every year. Every year we say this, like Android uh needs to like improve the update situation and it's it remains the biggest uh sort of bu- like sort of like bug, I guess. I guess like, just call it a bug. Uh that's like the biggest like all of this is cool. Like all this we talked about is cool, but most of your phone won't see it. Like that's the thing, right? That's we were talking about all of this. Android P features. Uh your phone is not going to see it, probably. Like the, the likelihood of your phone seeing it is extremely low, unless you have a Pixel device, right? And that's like extreme minority of people because those devices are expensive and they're not available everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that that's that's Android P. Like it's the thing. The thing about Android P, right? It's so it's all that, and then I don't know. I just don't want like my phone to be a thing. Like this is everyone complains about the iOS home screen, right? But that stays consistent when you pick up the phone with Android P, right? It's not going to be showing you things that Google has decided that you should be seeing rather than something that stays consistent. And I don't think that's the best Mm. way, right? Mm. Like not everything has to be a content silo. No, no. Like I like iOS has a lot of problems, but the one thing that it allows is, it does. It lets you manage your notifications, right? Like we we have complained about iOS's notification system enough. Like I, I don't think we need to do it again. Uh, we've done it a billion times, and everybody else has done it. Uh, but like iOS lets the user empower themselves, and if if, I, if iOS improved its notification system and still continued to empower the user, uh, it would be the superior notification system. Uh, but Apple is in some weird rut. I don't know. But yeah, that's like it's, it's the lesson here is like machine learning is not the solution to all your fucking problems. Um, it, it's it probably won't even solve half of them. It'll probably create more problems. So that's, imagine a machine learning algorithm for uh, updating phones. <laughs> <laughs> imagine that. Imagine intelligently updating your phone or something. I I don't even know. We're we just I guess we're just shit posting at this point. I, I, I think so. I yeah. I, it, I don't know. Just, we want to talk all, about the Chromebook uh, thing. The Chromebook I, thing, I guess. Um, so um, Chromebooks can now use desktop Linux apps. It's and um, I I thought of this right before we started recording, and I'm going to repeat it because we weren't recording then when I said it. But so Chrome OS is a virtual machine for JavaScript for the most part, right? Like, it's more technical than that, but basically it's what it is. Um, Linux on Chrome OS is running in a uh, virtual machine. 
Java is a virtual machine. The Android app emulator on Chrome OS is another virtual machine. So let's think about it like this. You're running um, Android Studio. You're trying to build an Android app. You deploy that Android app. And now you have a virtual machine within a virtual machine debugging a virtual machine. Yeah, and with, with all the Electron apps in your browser, uh, or rather, not Electron apps, uh, Chrome JavaScript heavy tabs. No, no, you can have Electron apps too. Think of it like that. Oh, you can install a Lynx version oh, of Discord. Oh, so God, why? You see, you have your Chrome OS, but then you're using the desktop Discord app, so you have another Chrome instance in a virtual machine of a virtual machine running Holy your web code. shit, the overhead is ridiculous. That's absurd. Like That's how you sell CPU spike, I think? That's how you sell RAM. The RAM RAM vendors around the world are like, holy shit, this is, this is, we're going to just sell more RAM because, uh, this is why the Pixel Book thing, whatever, uh, has, uh, 16 gigs of RAM because you're going to need every, every gigabyte of that RAM because it's, it's going to eat it up. Java is not, uh, not messing with RAM usage. Let me tell you, uh, if you think Electron apps are bad, uh, you haven't seen Java apps. Uh, Java was like the precursor to Electron in some ways because it was the it was the run anywhere sort of deal, right? It was like you you build this app, it's gonna run on every platform that runs Java. Uh, so yeah, Android Studio inside a virtual machine, you're gonna be able. To, I don't know if they're gonna enable emulation support. Like, is that gonna be like some weird hack? I not, there's not many, not there's many, not many details. details. Yeah, they yeah. haven't really said much about it. Like, I don't even know if you can install regular Linux apps, or you just have apps that enter Studio in a terminal. Yeah, like, or where you get them from, right? Like, do you just get these from the Chrome Web Store? Like, where yeah, do you get? Yeah, where do you get play, it? The Play Store? Like, is the Play Store going to start hosting Android apps? I I don't know. Like, there's no details. Like, like I I try to find like if they did it like a talk, like a session at Google I/O. Like, they have this huge playlist. Like, I couldn't find. Like any video or any session on it. So if anybody knows, like if we, okay, this is, this is this our week's, I guess, question or feedback or whatever. Just if you know what's going on with this, like what, what, is, what are the technical details? Like what's the tech? Like what, what are they using? Like LXC containers, uh, in the background? Is that what's happening? It's not, not full virtualization, but like containers using the Linux kernel. Uh, what is going on? Like, let us, if you know what's going on, let us know. Uh, and it, there's actually no details. Like, I just have to wait. Uh, so that's our podcast this week. You know, uh, they don't think we had anything else to talk about. You don't want to make fun of Nintendo for the online switch service. I mean, we can wait. I think till next week, uh, we could, we can make fun of Destiny then too. Uh, All right. uh, although one thing I do <laughs> want to say is, um, Android P, well, Google in general now have uh, something called MLKit, which is basically how um, Apple had CoreML with last year's release of iOS. They now have their own version of it. AR Core 1.2 will be coming out with better tracking and some new features. Um, and they think those are actually cool because I think specialized machine learning is cool, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Like really good OCR, a really good object recognition. Because exactly. Google yeah. did have like Google Lens features, right? Where it was yeah. like you can now copy and paste off a of text in the real world. Which yeah, that's super cool. That is actually like those cool, are yeah. actually good uses of it that I support. But it's when you try and take it's like with flat design, right? Like flat design <laughs> was good in some places, but um, doing it everywhere was absolutely atrocious. And yeah. I'm sorry for ever have recommending it. But <laughs> with that, that is that has been this podcast. For yeah, the week. yeah. You can um, find you can find us on two shades of brown dot com. The show notes are going to be there with all the links. Uh, contact at two shades of brown dot com. It's also there on the sidebar. 
Uh, you can find me on Mastodon at staticsafe at mastodon.zombocloud.com and Christian. You can find me at chosefinanceinstance.business. And with that, goodbye. Bye.